Let's be honest. Um, Christmas can be a warm and wonderful time of year, but only Marvin Gaye could make Christmas super damn sexy. Baby making Christmas. Oh, <laughs> underneath the Christmas tree. <laughs> It's a Christmas miracle is what it is. Marvin Gaye right there, a great instrumental to add to your holiday playlist called Christmas in the City. It's the Brian Oak Show. Thank you very much for tuning in. We're broadcasting from the Smart Start MN Studios. My name is Brian Oak. His name is Sean. What's your last name again? Barnard. Barnard, exactly. Sean Bernard and I uh, like to do this every week, and we have, uh, you know, a couple times a week, actually, and we always like to have great guests in, and we like to play some music, and we like to talk about stuff it's like a podcast or something right <laughs> you've done podcasts way longer than i've even been vaguely associated with them and you got in before people started even talking about what the hell a podcast was yeah it was kind of weird because people would ask that question all the time especially you know pending sponsors <laughs> what the hell's the, a podcast all we need to do is write a big check uh, I'm like, it's just on-demand radio man that's you can all whatever it is. you want just whatever you're at your leisure like, like, do I have to buy special equipment? Do I have to get a podcaster at home? Oh, that God. kind of thing. And my aunt, who's older, hopefully she's not listening, good yeah. old Shannon McCarthy would be the one who would constantly message me. I don't know what I'm doing wrong with this thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's the world we live in. Uh, and yeah, I've got to be honest, like you, you make her sound like she's way older than me, but I also I've gone through that. Well, tonight we're going to be joined by another podcaster and not unlike Sean and myself, a fellow Irishman, although we're simply of Irish lineage. He is an actual Irish expat and someone we've both known for a very long time. And we'll talk to him very shortly. He's a podcaster. He's a bon vivant. He's a raconteur. Can you think of any other words that would describe tonight's guest? Well, we can say cracker. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you're used to calling that, but that's I hate, what I called John. I said you're a cracker. That's I, hate, I hate to break it to you, Sean. You might also be a cracker. I'm probably a cracker. OMG. <laughs> it is the Brian Oak Show. Thank you very much for listening tonight. We're going to have some excellent music for you on the way. We're going to learn about some other events that are coming up in town. We're going to learn about Irish music that we probably haven't heard about before, unless you're like one of those people like, oh, yeah, but those are later stuff. I didn't really dig that stuff. It's not really my thing. But first, uh, it is the holiday season. Christmas is less... No, it's it's exactly a week away. Christmas Eve is what I call Christmas because my family gets together on Christmas and gifts must be purchased and it has to be done. We talked about this yesterday when we had Dwynell Roland on. Did in the last 24 hours you buy a single holiday gift for anyone? I had good intentions, but it did not happen. Same. <laughs> Literally one week left. Is this how you are every year yes, or is this just a yes, bad year? Yes, yes. But same with you that I tell myself, you know what? I think I'm going to get that taken care of earlier. Oh, like, let's, let's, you know, let's do Cyber Monday. Let's order a bunch of stuff right sure. after Thanksgiving. Let's just get this done this year for once and relax. I did order a couple of things for myself online Jesus. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Not, that is not the reason for the season, Sean, but I understand. So I do love this time of year, though, even though it's always hectic and stupid and crazy and upside down. And one of the things I love most about it, well, one of the things I love most in life is music. But I love holiday music, and I don't really mind some of the classics, unless we're talking about All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey, which just went back to number one, and I know I dwell on it, but God damn it, people do better. Uh, and The Christmas Shoes, which also should be boxed up and thrown into Hudson Bay or somewhere. I just get it away from me forever. But I do like to dig a little deeper. Now, I'm not somebody who's an old-school country guy, but there is some old-school country that I really love. There used to be a thing back in the 30s, 40s, even living into the 50s called the Singing Cowboy. You know what I mean? I think so. Okay, you're Roy Rogers, right? Like, oh, yeah. They would be on TV. They would be oh, in movies. They them. would also have huge hits. Yeah. But there are some lesser-known singing cowboys that were also pretty successful in the country world that are not lasting names. And the next song we're going to hear is by one of the last of the singing cowboys. I couldn't pretend. I'd be a fraud if I told you I knew anything about this dude other than I found this song on a compilation, and it makes it into my heavy rotation at the holidays every single year. I love this song. It is simply Jimmy Wakely, and it's called It's Christmas. Throw away your troubles and forget every care. It's Christmas, Christmas. Can't you feel a happy holiday in the air? It's Christmas, Christmas. 
albums and one of them is a double album and I own them all and if anybody ever talks shit about the Carpenters at me all right because I I I will die on Carpenter Hill when my daughter was about 12 years old and she really got into you know song writing and singing and all that stuff I put together about 70 songs from different female artists so she could hear different female voices and I said Karen Carpenter is way up there for me 
you know, for vocals. Linda Ronstadt has a great new documentary out right now, one of the defining female American voices of the entire rock era. And I would say the exact same thing about Karen Carpenter. In addition, <clears throat> she also was a wizard in the studio, but of course in the early 70s, well, we don't let women touch the buttons and the knobs. <laughs> oh, and you're a drummer? Of course you are. That's adorable. <laughs> she was an incredible addition to American music along with her brother Richard. And the reason we played that one is it was on this day that she made her last live appearance with the Carpenters when she performed in Shervin, California. Unfortunately, as we all know, Karen suffered from anorexia nervosa, and it was little known at that time. Very little was discussed about it. She clearly got very, very thin towards the end of her life, and she died at 32 oh. from heart failure in early 1983 as a result of complications caused by her illness. It is one of the greatest American musical tragedies of all time. It is terrible, but the Carpenters left a lasting and beautiful and powerfully, and if I don't mind... Uh, a very, very well-produced legacy behind for everyone. Hey, we're about to meet tonight's guest, but first I do want to mention our main studio sponsor and the very sp first sponsor that ever jumped on board with The Brian Oak Show, and that would be Smart Start MN. They are a group that gets you back on the road if you make a terrible decision. If you get a DUI, some people still call them DWIs, it happens, right? We all make the right choice. We've all, I mean, let's be honest, like it, unless you are a total teetotaler, We've all sort of been on that boundary, and many of us, more than a few times, have been well beyond that boundary, but you make the choice to drive anyway. And maybe you got home lucky, or maybe you were pulled over by local law enforcement, which I hate to break it to you, that's their job, is to keep the place safer and to get dangerous bad decision makers like you off the road. So let's say that happens, you know, maybe you're not a chronic drunk driver, but maybe it happened one night and now you have a DWI. Well, getting back into your vehicle can be difficult. They do, um, you know, the, uh, the, uh, why can't I think Ignition of interlock. Thank you very much. Igni and, and they're in the inventors or the, the progenitors in Minnesota of ignition interlock? Yes, exactly right. And what is that? Well, it is basically a breathalyzer in your vehicle. And so long as you sit down and you haven't been drinking, you'll be able to drive. It gets you back on the road so much quicker than you otherwise would be for a price that is, I don't know why they won't let me say it, but it is startlingly lower than you, everything else your DWI is going to cost you. And they made it even, uh, even less expensive. You can go to... Uh, the Smart Start MN logo on our website. Click on that, and it'll take you over to a 20% off discount on their website. Plus, Ed and Mike, uh, they grew up here. They are Minnesotans. SmartStartMN.com. Not only are they cool guys, but Ed was at the Joy Formidable show that I was at over the weekend. And um, they're music fans. They're good guys. And, again, this is a weird thing to say. I hope you never have to contact them. But, unfortunately, people keep doing it. It's weird. People keep drinking and driving. And if it happens to you, there are ways to mitigate how difficult it can be. SmartStartMN.com. Speaking of drinking, my name is Brian Oak, and our guest tonight is... Uh, an interesting individual. He is somebody who I've known for a very long time. In fact, I believe the first time I met him, I was at a Valentine's dinner with my wife um, at the local uh, bar downtown Minneapolis. <laughs> and instead of having a lovely one-on-one -on -one romantic evening, this guy sat down, brought his <laughs> Irish charm to bear, and we talked to him for the next two hours. Even though you hadn't built those little cozies yet, there was no room for you. <clears throat> but somehow he found the room, which is how I like to think think of him his name is john cosgrove john how are you uh, how's it going i love that you go from like american tragedy and death to alcohol <laughs> and here are my nice segues boys uh, well, you know, look, we have to cover a little bit of everything. I think that's kind of how life is, right? Isn't it? And, and we're here to live it as best we can. At the very best we can. But that's why I like doing this podcast is talking to people, hearing their stories and bringing in, you know, people who are dynamic. Like, I don't, the story is important, but if you can't tell the story, then I don't really want you to come on the podcast. This guy knows how to tell a story. So before we go any further, tell me about your podcast. Oh, thank you. I, I am one half of a podcast called The Crafty Rogues which was started on a whim about three and a half years ago. I had a dream, as you do in America. No, mm. be no better place for a white male to have a dream <laughs> and, watch, <laughs> and watch the whole world open up in front of you yeah, and well, give you that. everything you want. And I was very fortunate that I was introduced to what has become one of my uh, favorite people in the world, Stephen Quinn, from Wollongong, which is a suburb of Australia. He likes to describe it as Pittsburgh with a beach. And he, come, he came with 35 years of broadcasting experience. I came with zero. 
and he helped structure the show. It was picked up by what was then ESPN 1500, now Score North. We've been there ever since. We recorded every week at Brit's Pub 730, who are our gracious hosts. You guys get a, a DUI sponsor. We get a pub. I mean, I see Synergy right there, Fusions, Confusion. And we talk a lot about soccer, but we talk a lot about the culture around soccer and drinking and whiskey. And we looked at, we were both big fans of whiskey, which is probably why you and I are friends, as I see you sipping, which doesn't look like grape water. And mm. um, and, we get to, and we get to riff every week. And, you know, that's part of the beauty of podcasting. There isn't any pressure. You're not, I mean, if there was a million listeners, we don't have a million listeners. If, but if we did, <laughs> we would do exactly the same show. And yeah. we get to have fun people on and we get to have important people on. We talk sometimes about important things. And because we're not from here and we decided we've made a conscious decision to live here, um, we talk about that too and why it's important that uh, we live here. I mentioned to Sean earlier, and I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up now. Um, <clears throat> my good friend Mark Conklin who moved here from South Bend, Indiana a long time ago. His sister moved here from New York. She's lived all over the world. She's married <laughs> to an Irish guy, and she suddenly decided she'd move into San Diego. She's done with Minnesota. And I go, what was it? She goes, it wasn't the cold. It wasn't the wind chill. It wasn't the humidity. I can't handle the passive aggressiveness. So she left Minnesota because of that, uh, so she can go tell people to F themselves on the West Coast. Well, it uh, it is strong here. There is no question about that. The passive aggressiveness is strong here. Before we go any further, you sound like a foreigner. Uh, so I'm <laughs> guessing you're not from America. Where are oh, you from? Oh, I, I forgot to mention that. Yes, I come straight off the boat from the north. <laughs> <laughs> from the north of Ireland uh, in 19, the summer of 99, uh, when America was, was even more um, interesting than it is now, in my mind. Yeah. And, I still had jet lag when I met this guy, Kieran Folliard, who, of course, has become the president of all things Irish in the Twin Cities. In fact, I just saw him today at lunchtime. And um, I was fortunate enough to meet him. He was a great mentor. He was also a great employer uh, to an illegally immigrated white guy, which, of course, I'm, I'm using my privilege. And I, I got to stay, and I'm very grateful for it. Sean, did you check... John's oh, we're good now. Green card before oh, we're he good. walked in. I we're did. Good. Yeah, I, I, did. I don't need ice busting into the brand new Smart Start <laughs> MN Studios. All right. Probably most of those ice guys, like most of the government now, have Irish last names because they've learned to assimilate. Well, the, well, there is that. So the reason I talked <laughs> about your lineage and where you're from and the fact that you're an Irish expat, you called it soccer, and I understand that after 20 years of being here, you need to talk down to dumb Americans, even enthusiastic sports people. Why did you call it soccer? Oh, that, I'm so glad you asked that question because we've actually brought this up on the show. There's two reasons behind it. Number one, very important. And this, America, if you're listening, is very important when you're snotty, especially English, because they just voted in Boris Johnson. So the more you can pillar them, the better. <laughs> The word soccer was actually created in England as a way of differentiating from other types of football, including rugby, but then was kind of abandoned. When the North American Soccer League started up in the mid-70s, they, they didn't want to call it football, obviously, because it would be confusing. They decided to honor the history of the word soccer because it came from England in the 1880s and brought it over here. But of course, when they started using it, the English started, ah, they're calling it soccer. So that's reason number one. By the way... <laughs> That's English. a horrible English accent, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the English, but, but the spirit behind it was, it was glorious. Terrific, that yeah. was wonderful. So, jolly, jolly man of blighty English. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just remind you, you came up with the word, not Americans. And number two, being from Ireland, uh, we created our own sports, the great sport of hurling, the fastest game on, uh, on green grass, and we have Gaelic football. So in order to differentiate from that, we have Gaelic and we have soccer. So I'm very comfortable using it. What was... First sport you mentioned, hurling? Hurling. Hurling. The hur the, it's about 1,200 years old. I know the, the sport, American sport of hurling, is about frat boy, what, 10 years? Hurling. <laughs> Irish sport. Look it up. Mm. It's like lacrosse, uh, but for real men. Oh. oh. Wow. <laughs> you, know, you know what I like about talking to Cosgrove? Everything. Uh, uh, so every time we have a guest on, we ask them to bring a couple songs by. And I am so glad that you brought a couple of Irish bands that I don't think most people have heard of. I've never heard of either of them before. But before we get there, I want to talk to you, if you don't mind, briefly. This is not a big political breakdown show, but you brought up how 
the British, against all reason and odds, elected Boris, what's his name? Bollocks Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, we live in these weird, bizarre times. Um, but, you know, some of the reasons that uh, some of my favorite bands from the late 70s and early 80s come out of Northern Ireland is a little thing called The Troubles. And for people who are not familiar, I don't want to go super deep on it. There were some... There's well, documentaries on YouTube. Look but them but there's a reason they were called the Troubles, but a lot of people go out of their way to say that it's not religious-based, and while not entirely religious-based, we're talking about imperialism, we'll talk, we're talking about colonialism, and we're absolutely talking about the division between Catholicism and Protestantism, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, all part of I it. I mean, growing up, gerrymandering was created in Northern Ireland. The whole concept of gerrymandering, where you take a city like Derry, which is predominantly Catholic, but is ruled almost apartheid style by the Protestant minority mm-hmm. by gerrymandering the districts. When I was growing up, there was no expectation that I would get a government, which was really the only way of employment. 90% of the Northern Ireland economy is funded by the government. So if you got a government or civil service job, you were set. And my mother would say to me, don't even think about it because they'll never hire you because you're Catholic. And the narrative, and here's a very important point, the narrative back then was Catholics are lazy, they're untidy, they don't take care of what they have, they're welfare moochers. Does this sound familiar? This was the narrative growing up. It sounds a little familiar. It does. Suddenly I moved to America and I'm entrepreneurial and I'm a startup and I'm a businessman. Well, guess what? I didn't change when I got on the plane that headed over. I didn't have this magical transformation going from little dirty welfare mooching Catholic to (laughs) entrepreneur. (laughs) So just bear that in mind. So that was the system. Thankfully, since then, and unfortunately, due to a lot of violence and a lot of upheaval, things are starting to change. Well, I'm glad things are starting to change, and I'm glad people are finally, again, hopefully, at least to small degrees, starting to think of other human beings as human beings. But as you were a young man and you are growing up, you know, maybe you weren't there in the very heart of it, but as you're growing up, I mean, this is part of your everyday life. This is part of how you're thought of as a second-class citizen. Absolutely, 100%. In uh, 1970, late 60s, Catholics didn't vote because you needed to own property in order to vote. So the more property you own, the more influence you have. So that whole concept of one man, one vote. And the original civil rights, which of course were inspired by uh, Martin Luther King and, and what was going on here, we saw what was going on there. Because the Brits made a very, very big mistake. After World War II, they decided to rise the country up by offering free education to all. And because the English don't really know anything about Northern Ireland, as mm. was proven with the lo- recent Brexit, they offered ed- free education to everybody in Northern Ireland, and that totally dismantled the status quo because suddenly Catholics are graduating from college because it was free and going, hang on, this system's all bollocks. <laughs> we need to do something about it. And so asked the whole civil rights movement. There was no IRA. There was no bombs. There were no Kalashnikovs, AK-47s, Semtex. I'm very familiar with all of those terms. Understood. And uh, There were no army on the streets. It was simply... We just want to be recognized and we want to change the system. Well, of course, when you have a system that's been instilled for 60 years and suddenly people are poking the bear and saying, hang on, this isn't right, there's going to be upheaval. And they made the bad choice of how to deal with that. Well, someday we will. I want to have you back um, someday to talk uh, like deep on this because my wife, the first time we went together to Dublin, uh, and again, Dublin, it's not up in Northern Ireland, but she on the plane might have said to me 15 times when we get there, don't talk about the troubles. <laughs> Day one, we get in a cab to go to Kilmannan Jail and learn about an important part of Irish history. Literally, the very first thing she says to the cab driver, she's like, so do people still talk about the troubles? And I was like, <laughs> honest to God! I, it doesn't make any sense. So I want to have you back, because I would love to go really deep on this someday, or maybe... I will, I'll tell you what I'll do as preparation, because I have friends from other countries that want to try to understand. There is a wonderful documentary series uh, on the BBC that's now available on YouTube, so I'll send you the links. Fabulous. And, you know, then we can share those as well on our social media for The Brian Oak Show. Um, Let's get to your first song because, so you grow up like this. You're in this, so, and this is one of the things I always said, you know, like when we talk about like Stiff Little Fingers or bands like that, I'm like, you know, 
American punk rock bands, I get it. There's teenage angst, right? Like, there's like, oh, I'm mad and everything's wrong. And this cul-de-sac is shaped wrong. And I hate it here. And there's not enough mac and cheese in the pantry. But then there are people who grow up in the crucible of genuine hate and fire. And so there's more. Uh, there's something much more real to that kind of music. So you grew up in this situation. But then, as we all do, as we're young but growing up and learning who we are and what we enjoy, you find some music. I don't know anything about this band oh, you're this, about to play. This is great. So I was too young. Thankfully, uh, you know, when Stiff Little Fingers, the undertones, one of my favorite bands mm-hmm. from that era, the, even the Boomtime Rats, they were at their sort of uh, zenith from 77 to about 82. I'm like age nine to 11. I'm not really going to grasp it the same way. The first time I really appreciated the gravitas of Irish music was, of course, when you two appeared on the scene. When they really hit America with the Joshua Tree, th- everybody in Ireland wanted to be in a band. And I was fortunate enough to be at college where a lot of music was coming out that was taking sort of that U2 model and playing the colleges and playing the parking lots and just getting their music out there. They weren't worried about being signed. They just wanted to get their voices heard. And there was a plethora of bands that came out there that I loved and I was fortunate enough to see. This first band, uh, the four of us, are from a town called Newry in County Down, right on the border. Tough place to grow up. They came up with a great album about two years ago that really talked about that era. But they wanted to have a sound of their own. They didn't want to follow the edge and and, and the, the rhythm section of you two, they wanted to create their own, and this is one of their uh, one of my favorite songs they had, and it was huge in Ireland. Made a few ripples in England because you'll find with the with the Irish uh, when they go all overseas, and of course we didn't have the internet. If we had the internet today, this would have been a much bigger hit. And so it's the four of us, and what's the name of the song? Drag my bad name down. Think about it. There are probably 
I'm guessing if in five figures, the number of bands who did well on their home turf and you never, ever heard of, not just here in the U.S. or in other countries, that was a good song. I mean, there was a lot of waka, 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 waka going on, but that's 1989, man. I mean, like, that's that's sort of the Manchester era, and they weren't that far apart from what they were doing right there. Mr. Cosgrove, tell me the name of that band again. The Four of Us. The Four of Us. And, and they're still around. I've literally never heard of that. It's one thing, like, okay, I couldn't name a record, I couldn't name a song. But a lot of times you at least hear of bands that are that successful. I'm taking a look right now. They had top 10 or top 40 hits throughout most of the 90s in Ireland. Yeah, well, this is what's funny. It's like it's like that time I made uh, my pulled pork dish for my French chef. And he's like, oh, I, how did you make this? I'm like, hang on. I just know a band that Brian Oates never heard of. This is, un- <laughs> this is outrageous. <laughs> I feel like a Christmas has come and I didn't even get on the, on my laptop. Happy holidays. That was strictly for you. Uh, We're going to talk more to Mr. Cosgrove in a minute here. But first, I want to remind you that The Brian Oak Show is made possible by a couple different people and by some sponsors who have jumped on early on, which we appreciate. Great River Radon Mitigation. Now, maybe you've never even thought about it. You've never considered radon. Radon's a thing. It is a noble gas, and it hides in the earth, and it hides in rock. And then when you break that up, it starts to break down like most, you know, radioactive materials, it starts to form in a gas. It's still a particle, but it can cause cancer. In fact, according to cancer.org, in an article from just this past October, the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers is exposure to radon gas, and that's according to your very own EPA, even before the science began to be gutted from the EPA. This is real. And so when you move into a new home, or you're leaving a home, there's going to be concerns about that. People are going to want to know Great River Radon Mitigation Laurie, who uh, you can text her right now, 612-701-2216. Before you ask her about how bad your basement is, maybe just throw a quick, Merry Christmas, Laurie. And then ask her if she's willing to come over and do a little testing on your basement, which is very affordable, but they're also very effective at mitigating the radon in your basement. Now, Sean, you're a realtor. Does this come up a lot? Like when people are buying a home, do they want to check for radon? Well, almost everybody Gets it done. You're not required to get it done necessarily um, as a buyer, um, but I always suggest that people do, especially in Minnesota and with the winters and everything else. So, uh, and the other thing is, not just when you're buying or selling a house, if you're concerned about radon, I'd get a test done. It's not that. Not that expensive considering what the risks are. Well, and again, not to be an alarmist. But, no, and again, yeah. I, I'm not saying like, oh my, you're all dying of radon right now. But you bring up an excellent point. In winter, we bundle up. We put plastic over the windows. We lock it down. Yes. And we are circulating a lot of the same air around. Well, that's where the radon thing comes into play. So, again, don't panic. You don't need to freak out. You don't need to run screaming out of your house. <laughs> but it might be worth getting it checked. So talk to Great River Radon Mitigation Text Laurie at 612-701-2216 to ask about a simple test, which is affordable, or you can call their main office at 612-701-2215. You know, I did mention that Sean, my partner in this business here, the Brian Oak Show, and producer for tonight's show, you look good behind the board over there, oh, by the way. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah. yeah. No, yep. you're, I mean, that, that shirt looks very seasonal. Oh, it really is. Is that intentional? It's festive. I, well, I try to do what I can to save money and buy cheap clothing. <laughs> I really am like the cheapest bastard of all time when it comes to buying clothes. Like I'm Mr. Marshall's. I'll go over to uh, anywhere. I just refuse to go spend a lot of money on clothes. Maybe it shows. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to be 100% honest. How many dollars in Kohl's cash do you have in your pocket right now? Right now I have $93 in Kohl's cash. You are a dirty liar. (laughs) However, he's actually a good person. I enjoy his company very much. Sean is actually at the 50th in France office of Edina Realty, but he does serve the entire metro. He is a realtor. And, you know, you and I go back 20-plus years, right? Yeah. With the radio thing, sales, me on the air, et cetera, et cetera. But you help people sell their home or buy their home. And these are major traumatic things. This is not a hugely busy time of year for doing it, but people still do it this time of year. One of the reasons I would encourage talking to Sean, well, there's a couple of reasons I would use, but one that we didn't talk about last night when we did the podcast was you are on the board of the warming house and a portion of every thing that you make goes towards this crazy, awesome, little, small nonprofit in South Minneapolis that upstairs is a bike shop, downstairs is a performance space, but they're absolutely a crucial and interesting part of our community. Yes, and uh, people get a one-year membership for two uh, when they buy or sell with me as well. And so 
I love the place because I'm kind of at that point where there's sometimes I like to still go to rock concerts, but a lot of times now I like to be able to sit down and actually hear the instruments and hear the artists, and you get to do that over at the Warming House on 40th and Bryant. All right, and if people want to talk to you about even thinking about, like, maybe not now, but maybe it's this spring, if they want to talk to you about getting a new home or getting out of their home, where would they go? 612-859-2594, or they can go to Sean Barnard. Uh, at edinarealty.com, S-E-A-N-B-A-R-N-A-R-D, at edinarealty.com. Do you realize that part of your name is the word nard? Yeah, people like to call me nard dog. <laughs> who who Not, likes to call no, you nobody, nard dog? Nobody does, and if they did, I'd say, shut up. <sighs> Our guest this evening is John Cosgrove. <laughs> John, um, so we got to talk a little bit about Northern Ireland. You're growing up there. You, however, have been here in the States for 20 years, involved in a number of different entrepreneurial enterprise, uh, enterprises. Yes. Um, the one that right now, so just a real quick reminder, your podcast. The Crafty Rogues. Craft, uh, crafty, crafty Rogues. The Crafty Rogues. Will you please say it more American, <laughs> yes. John, please. Oh, my gosh, you guys, it's Crafty Rogues. And so you guys talk about soccer and whiskey. About soccer and whiskey, uh, Australian culture, Irish culture, a bit like this show here. Unfortunately, we don't get to play music. Both of us are big music fans. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, Quino uh, is a legend uh, in Australian broadcasting. He couldn't walk down the street. Luckily, he's only five foot six, so you don't get to see him that much. <laughs> he lives two blocks from this studio. Uh, but the Crafty Rogues, every show is on our um, website, craftyrogues.com, thecraftyrogues.com, and craftyrogue.com, just in case you misspell it. I bought all the domains. Uh, you know, I have a uh, business partner who did the same thing because my last name is spelled O-A-K-E, but people seem to get that wrong all the damn time. Uh, so you talk about you record it once a week live at Brit's Pub downtown. Yes. What, when? Does when, it change all the time? Like no, what it's night? Most, mostly Wednesday nights, 7.30. That way we get... Uh, most of the football and soccer that's happened the previous weekend, then we can preview the weekend coming up. We've been fortunate enough, we have a relationship with Minnesota United, which, having been to all the sporting events in town and not being biased, it is a great experience to go there, excited for the new season. They, for some reason, give us press passes, so we get to hang out with the big dogs, and sometimes those big dogs come on the show, like Adrian Heath, who wanted to talk about his first show, which you'll never guess, was Hot Chocolate. In the Midlands. Oh, I heard that. Holy crap. Yes. Really? Yes. Like the sort the, of yes. the definitive British Back, disco yes. band. Hot chocolate. Wow. Yeah. So we got to riff on that. Now, now that's that was a fun, a fun story. show. If he wanted to start talking about the secondary defense of. No, no. Oh, I don't want to talk about that boy. stuff. Or you want to talk about, you know, the high press and the wingbacks. I didn't want to talk about that. He didn't want to talk about it. Good. And his, his handler said, well, you know, you only have them for an hour. Four hours later. Wow. Um, Check it out. Adrian, he's getting a copy of this. Mm. I thought you were going to say he was getting a Woody. <laughs> Let's just let this roll for a couple seconds. Brian, put your shirt on. Oh. You can't keep your shirt on when you hear music like that. I also love that the band's called Hot Chocolate and the lead singer's called Errol Brown. Mm. There's no room for crackers anywhere in that band. <laughs> where is West Hampstead in London? That's where they're from. Is, is, that, it, is that like a posh area? It is a posh area. Yeah. How'd that happen? Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, wow. I don't know. If that's Funk from the 70s. Groove. Of course, London's completely changed now. It's been overrun by racists. But that's another story for another day. When I lived in London in in the early 90s, my favorite story, I'm going to just go on a riff here. Um, the IRA decided that bombing the center of London was an important part of their strategy. And um, I went to work the next day and one of my co-workers said to me, Oi, Paddy, where were you last night? That was my bad English accent. I go, <laughs> I go hang on, I'm John, and I was drinking with you, you gobshite. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, never mind. Like It was almost like assumed that we're all terrorists. Well, 
I, I mean, again, but when, when things get that divisive, I mean, like, look at America right now, right? When if things get that divisive, you're either completely with me or you're my enemy. There's yes. no centrist. There's, there no, there's no moderates. There's nothing in the well, middle. Well, this was part of, the, part of the annoying thing about moving to America in 99. I'd moved from a country that was, was very polarized. Security checkpoints, uh, validated or not, I, I like to call them security theatrics because that's what we have now. But people with machine guns in yes. the streets, right? Yes. I mean, like actual uh, soldiers. And then I come here. And then 9-11 happens. Oh, great. Now we're back to security again. It's like it follows me wherever I go. Maybe it's you. Oh, I, 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 was gonna say, I have it, that thought. Is it everybody else's fault or is it John <laughs> Cosgrove's fault? I wish, Common denominator. I wish I had that much influence. I'll tell you what. Well, speaking of, uh, before we get to your second song, you do have an event coming up this Friday, which I believe, is that the 20th, the 19th? I, the 20th. Okay, it's rolling over my head. So the 20th, Yes. where are we going to be and what's happening? Uh, every year, uh, my friends at Brit's Pub, um, no longer called Brit's Out Pub because the war's over, um, are, ho- are allow me to host an annual trivia event. Uh, it used to be back when the, uh, the recession was happening and everybody was having potluck in the conference room. Um, we decided to have a party and now it's grown into this thing and we do trivia and we have a live band called Nicolet and Alcohol and they're an Oasis tribute band <laughs> and the lead <laughs> singer um, is an operatic tenor and he does a great Ness and Dorma and if you get enough pints in him he'll do it but he also does a great Oasis. Did you so, say he's a castrati? Yes. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Um, I actually have a great respect for people with that kind of vocal talent. That's sort of amazing. Um, He's like the singing version of your voice. You know, people are blessed with voices. You have the talking voice. I have the annoying voice. He is the singing voice. Huh. Well, but you also, let's be clear. Before we get to your song, let's be very clear. Minnesotans are, they're so taken with accents. They are. Tell me I'm wrong. Oh, you're not wrong. No, no, no. In fact, I remember vividly being at, uh, one of your former guests twice the cruise control Colleen Cruz was having a, a party and all her journalistic friends were there and, and uh, I actually met my lifelong friend Jimmy Leinfelder at the party and there was a local journalist who should remain nameless Brian Lambert and he got so annoyed <laughs> he got so annoyed about the attention I was getting with me he goes what else you got you got an accent what else you need and I said Brian what else do I need and that was the end of the conversation he was very angry piercing blue eyes Serious charisma and a, a fanta- an accent that will leave you dazzled for the rest of the evening. John Cosgrove is our guest right now. We'll talk more about your event. Tell me about this next band because here's the deal. I never pretended to be an encyclopedic expert on all the music that's I'm out so there. Glad. I mean, I, I spent my life around a lot of music, and people are like, you know everything. I'm like, absolutely I don't. And so I actually love learning, hashtag always learning. And so these are two bands that you brought in that I've never heard of before. And and they were, again, in that era, 89, just, you, you know, U2 is ruling the world, and we're like, why can't we all be like U2? This band come from Galway. Galway is a traditional town. Our friend Sean here has been to Galway a few times, and he's seen a yes. guy do Bob Dylan. And what was the famous line he said? Oh, my God. I'm sitting there in the pub. Uh, Keys Pub with my wife. There's three different uh, music stages in the same pub. I'm sitting there with my wife, and they play a Bob Dylan song, and then they play another Bob Dylan song, and then they play another Bob Dylan song. One of the guys comes off the stage, and I said, what's with all the Bob Dylan? I'm from Minnesota. I didn't expect to come halfway around the world and, and hear so much Bob Dylan. And he said, he just looks me right in the eye and says, over here we consider him a prophet. <laughs> It's just classic. A, a profit, as in you make money when you play yeah, the songs. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but, the, but Galway is known as a musical town. It's a wonderful town to go visit. and um, But there's a lot of diddly-diddly music, as we call it. And You said that earlier when we were listening to another song, just for the edification of the people who haven't spent any time in Galway or in Ireland or are down on their, their Irish slang. What does diddly diddly music mean? Oh, diddly 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 like the the, the, ah. the bar and the bar and the jigs, the reels. I mean they're all grand. I mean they're always well, tradition. especially after a few pints. But you're t- but you're talking like like your Gaelic storms yeah. and that kind of stuff. Or, uh, or even maybe not even, even to that degree. maybe even your dropkick Murphys. Like they got a little diddly diddly going on, even though they're kinda of fun to go see yeah, live. Yeah yes, but this band, the stunning uh couple of brothers, the Walls brothers um, decided enough of that, and they were inspired by what's going on across the country. They formed this band. This was their breakout hit at the time, and it still sounds good to this day, and that's purely based on my own opinion. And when you go to Ireland, you will hear great bands over there. That's what his point was, is that it's not... Everybody thinks, oh, God, I'm going to go over there and hear the one, same... 
that was actually one of the one of the acclimating um, comforts of moving to Minnesota, moving to the Twin Cities, where there's so much great live music. It was not that bit of a stretch for me because, you know, in Ireland, we can go anywhere and hear it. Well, and again, there is a tremendous music scene here, and there has been for as long as I've been alive. But I don't know that it's necessarily, even though people are into it and people enjoy music, there's a difference. Like when you talk about European culture, Irish culture, people grow up with music in the home. People are playing music from the time they're young. Yes, yes. I was in choir as a young kid. Yes, I knew people who played the hammered dulcimer. Just kidding. I wish I did. I fucking love the hammered <laughs> the dulcimer. Didn't know anybody. That being said, I think it's it's more part of the culture. That, that doesn't mean there's not great music here, but it means that it, I think that people, they, they literally grow up with it from the time that they're aware there. Is that fair? Absolutely. And of course, this music, this song comes from an era when the Berlin Wall's coming down. And of course, we're in Europe and we're influenced by all of this. And I think all of those things together especially nowadays when we have the internet and so much exposure. I mean, I went to Ireland with the guys from Trample Bay Turtles a couple of years ago for the crack, just go for fun. They sold out Belfast and Dublin like that, purely, and, and they were not being played on Irish radio. This is the glory of globalization. You want to talk about diddly diddly? <laughs> talk about that right now. Tell me, the and by the way, the Minnesota band, The Stunning, you are now officially put on watch because you were not on that hill first. Tell me, this is The Stunning. This is The Stunning, and they're singing Brewing Up a Storm. Only if the truth hurts, don't look, it might go away It's easy to pretend that life is a rosy bouquet I don't need a platter, I'll take it straight from the shelf Give it to me raw, I'll take it home, cook it myself.
Formed in 1987 in Galway, they are perhaps best known for their single, Brewing Up a Storm. Known for their strong live performances, they maintain a cult following across Ireland. The stunning with Brewing Up a Storm right there. And here's the deal. You know, pre-internet, it would be hard to know as much as we all know today, right? If a band doesn't make international headlines, it. I mean, think about all the Canadian bands who were superstars in Canada and literally couldn't crack that parallel just above yeah, Minnesota. But, but, you know, Glass Tiger, really? Do we want them to crack anything? Uh, listen. <laughs> I was thinking. Listen. I was thinking more. I was thinking more about April Wine. Although April Wine did just fine in the United States. It is the Brian Oak Show. He's John Cosgrove. An excellent addition right there. Before we get back to talking more about that band and other things that he's brought for us here, I have to give a very heartfelt thank you to the people who have helped us so far. Uh, Amy Stubblefield Barthel, who put together our website, BrianOakShow dot com. Thank you very, very much. Also to Rebecca Slater, who took the photos for that and. For for other things that we're going to be utilizing. Artist Dave Gatzmer, who also goes by Plug Industries, who provided our logo and some fine art for our new studio right here. There have been so many people who have jumped on board early and often, but AudioQuip is a local audio equipment company that jumped on in a way that I am still sort of startled and humbled by. AudioQuip.com, A-U-D-I-O, QUIP.com. If you have a presentation, if you have a TED Talk, if you have a live performance somewhere, they provide actual professional audio equipment at reasonable prices. Plus, this is the thing, too. 2019 has been a real lesson teacher. Kind of done working with jackasses. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. And I'm not joking. I mean, I I know, you know, it's business, right? Like, so it's it's not show friends, it's show business, right? I mean, yeah. that everyone understands that there are certain, there's a price to pay, the cost of doing business, whatever. But when you get to sort of decide what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, I would rather not take someone's money or their generosity if they're assholes than... Do it. And it's so I, I'm very proud to say the good people at AudioQuip couldn't be kinder, couldn't have reached out faster to be helpful, and they're, they're wonderful, wonderful guys. Well, in, in my radio career, just to bring up business for a second, in my radio career, yeah. probably the best promotion that we were all three involved with was the U2 trip to Ireland. And Johnny was involved with that, and you were involved with that, and I was involved with that. But I was. literally in my 25-year radio career, I don't think there was anything more fun than that giveaway, uh, where when we gave it away, I believe that the local had to actually ask Brits for some additional Guinness because they ran out. I mean, we were we packed the place. It was such a tremendous promotion. And going to see you two on the pitch at Croke Park was absolutely unbelievable. 2005, Croke Park, Patty Casey, Snow Patrol, followed by you two. It kind of spit rain down on us most of the night. Yeah. I'll never forget that night. I wasn't even on the pitch. I was sitting back in like the second row of the yeah. seats because I, so I couldn't really see anything, but I could hear everything just fine. First time I ever saw Patty Casey live. Second time I saw Snow Patrol and you 2 I've lost count, but it was it was one of the most fun things ever. But that's the whole bit, man. Work with good people. I know that sometimes you have to capitulate. You have to make concessions. But at some point, are we going to stop tolerating dicks? <laughs> Nobs. That's the goal for 2020. No dicks. It, no dicks in 2020. Well, no, not none. I mean, it's already, I'm 51, so that's already kind of my life. But um, <laughs> is, is, well, what'd is, you say, is, Johnny? He's at the age what? No, we're not saying that. Okay, all right, all right. Is knobs the same thing? Like if you call someone no, a knob, is that check, calling them? Check, check the sack every morning, make sure there's only t- two lumps in there. <laughs> That's what Johnny said to me. He said, we're at that age where you're checking the sack. Make sure there's only two lumps. I don't even like looking down there anymore. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the Brian Oak Show, and John Cosgrove is our guest. John, before we get to a very interesting point about your native country and um, a, like a really interesting point and hear your last song, I would like to hear one more time about your podcast and about the event coming up on Friday. Well, thank you. My podcast is uh, with my friend Stephen Quinn. Quinno to his friends, the Crafty Rogues. Live every week at Brits at 7.30. You're welcome down and hang out with us. It's not one of these exclusive little lounges that Oak has here. We're open to the public. We don't care about sound quality as much as he does. We don't get to play music. We're not celebrities, so we don't need to close ourselves off from the rest of humanity. You know what? You're right. The new Smart Start MM Studios here, it's very luxurious. It is. 
There are several lounges outside the main recording area. Yeah, however, within blocks of this very studio, there's three pubs. So you're all good. You're all covered. It's and li- there's a liquor store across the street. It's literally, where do you think I got this? <laughs> it's literally a 14 by 14 room. It okay? is. Yeah, and it's, it's, but and one of the what? walls has some you shit know, wallpaper on it. You know, it. <laughs> and this is a quote from my friend Quino again, radio, podcasting, theater of the mind. Like it all is. Did he invent that? Can I write that down? <laughs> no, can you can have that? that one. You can have that one. And in fact, next time one. I'm on here, I want him with me because he'll back up everything I'm saying. Uh, yes. And now you know how I feel about the Australians. Yeah. No way. I've worked uh, with Mark, Mark Wheat for way too many years. Well, he's English. He's, he's from a place called Norwich in England. Yeah. And he switched from Liverpool to Man United to Liverpool. No one has done that in the history of English. He is up there with Boris Johnson. We're, that I'll agree with. Was was his was his was his ancient tribe cut off from the rest of civilization for two thousand years and therefore cultivated an accent that no one's ever heard of before? Yes, absolutely. Very good. So your podcast is once again called The Crafty Rogues, and I can find it where uh, online thecraftyrogues dot com. Of course, we're on all the way more channels than you because we don't play licensed music and. Um, we wish we could play music, and maybe we'll do it someday. You can. For now, you just got to find your way in. Yeah, iTunes. Uh, we're on Score North, which is uh, local sports radio, but we're not really a sports show. We're more a cultural nuance. And then Friday night, I'm doing my annual trivia party at Brits Pub, and everybody's welcome, especially nice people. I guarantee you, the first time you tune in to Crafty Rogues, their podcast, you're going to just get kicked in the teeth with soccer all damn <laughs> no, actually, I guarantee I'll tell you, what, you. We've put together a highlight reel, and and we'll make sure that all the listeners of the Brand Oak can listen to it for three minutes, and you'll hear only a wee bit of soccer. What I love about the Irish is they are, it's different than Minnesota passive-aggressive, but the Irish, because of your charming accent and your very believable demeanor and your large heart, you're able to look me in the eyes and lie to me directly, which is not very Christmassy. <laughs> All right, before we let you go, I really like having John Cosgrove here. He's one of my favorite people to talk to. But Sean brought this up, and you confirmed it, and it's it's an amazing fact. Now, I know a lot of people are like, oh, the left, they're socialists. They just want everything for free. They don't want to work for anything. Just shut up. Like, there's, We have to find a spot in the middle to hang out. Now, we don't have to give everything away, but I do believe that it benefits our society. My wife's a music educator. Uh, artists, you know, the reason we haven't done a live thing yet for the Brian Oak Show is we believe we have to have the resources to pay artists. Now, are we going to make them wealthy? By no means. But artists should be paid for what they do. And in Ireland, if you are technically a licensed artist... You don't pay taxes. Yes, or very, very little da- uh, taxes, which, Fine. Is, which is great. Um, I had this argument, and, you know, Paul McCartney told me once not to name drop. So there I am, <laughs> hanging out hanging out with my other company, Voice. We have a little software company, and Here we, we, had, we did a, a Nobel Laureate event. And there I am with Nobel Laureate George Schmoot. He, you may recognize him from the show Big Bang Theory. He made a couple of appearances. Anyway, George loves himself, and, <laughs> uh, and obviously single. And he says to me, he says, do you know what I hate about you, Irish? And I go, well, this is going to be good because normally I get the love. He's like, "Um, artists don't pay taxes. He goes, "Um, you, you, you tax facts, but you don't tax fiction. And that was his point. And he stood back and waited for the adulation to come. And so I said, well, George, obviously you know Ireland well. We've had 800 years of British oppression, incessant rain, and not to mention what the Catholic Church has done to us. We need a little fantasy. We have enough facts. And maybe by encouraging people with more fiction, maybe then that will help us escape from facts because that's the last thing we need. And he stood a gaw. That's a Gaelic word. That's a Gaelic word for a faw. No, I don't even know what the word is. (laughs) Lost myself there for a second. No, you didn't. It, you actually, you you put the punctuation on the end of the show perfectly because that's the whole bit. And even if you haven't had eight hundred years of imperialist oppression, artists, man, like there, there's no one who doesn't benefit when there's more music, when there's more painting, when there's more sculpture, when there's more dance, when there's more. I'm all about AI. Bring those guys in, have them do all the menial tasks, and encourage more people to be creative. Imagine the world Love we'd it. have. Robotics is fine. AI is man being the architect of his own. You don't have to make them look like people, and you don't have to make them smart. Just let them do the work. 
And again, I, I don't want everything handed to me, but I would love, I mean, imagine what the streets would look like. Imagine what your day would sound like. Imagine what your Facebook feed would look like if art if, if artists were allowed to make a decent living yeah. and not tax to death and be able to create I, their I whim. I think about that almost every day because when, I'm welcome to the self-employed world, by the way. It's it's scary. It's prickly. Mm. It's it's sleepless nights, but joy, 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 joy. That being said, I have one last question for you, and then we're going to get to your last song. I would like you to either say something. Do you speak Gaelic at all? Uh, just a little bit. Okay, okay. Um, can you, what is the most offensive thing that you can say, because we're on a podcast, and one that no one barely listens to, or anyone barely listens to. What, I, I get that. What is, what is the most, <laughs> if you don't mind, and if you if you decline, there's no, no, there's no, no harm. No what is the most offensive thing, and I don't want you to tell anyone what it means, what is the most offensive thing that you can say in Gaelic right now? Well, um, so it's, this is an interesting point, because uh, last uh, Friday night on the biggest talk show in, in Irish TV, which has been going on since the 60s, they had Shane McGowan on. And I thought he like, yeah. the fact that Shane McGowan is still alive and Kirsty McCall is dead uh, makes no sense to me, because when that song, Fairy Tale in New York, came uh-huh. out, and of course, there's the whole controversy about that word in the song, and he was explaining the context of it. And the Pogues came from a Gaelic expression, which I'll share with everyone, which a lot of people probably know Pogue Mahone, which means yes. kiss my kiss arse. Kiss my ass. Yes. Um, and so that's my favorite Irish expression. But my favorite expression to Gaelic speakers, and um, I'm, I, I know we're running out of time, but I have to share this story because it involves one of my children. My children have very Irish names. There's Ronan. That's simple enough, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's Cloda, but it has GH on the end of it. And then the youngest one is Maraid. And Maraid is the Gaelic word for Margaret because there's a lot of Margarets in, in the world. She's the only Maraid in her class. And so when people ask her her really? name... Really? There's no other Maraid in her class? No. Okay. <clears throat> Not even in the school in South Minneapolis. Or in the upper Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> However, there's a lot of very famous Maraids. Maraid Farrell. Um, I think she was an IRA terrorist. And then there was the other Maraid Jeez. Corrigan. <laughs> Maraid Corrigan who won a Nobel Peace Prize in 1974, among others. Anyway. Me, me and my so big mouth. Which one, asked, which one is your daughter named after? Um, She's named after my uh, favorite cousin because um, she ended up being Entrepreneur of the Year in Ireland and is worth millions of dollars. And maybe, just maybe, with someone with the same name, she might get a bit. Anyway, that aside, (laughs) Maraid is often asked, what's your name, Maraid? And they go, Maraid? And she's like, no, Maraid rhymes with parade. And that gets it every time. So Maraid... Myself, Ronan and Claude are going off to see our good friend Liam O'Mealy, who used to front the band, Irish uh, band Hothouse Flowers, who did see a lot of success uh, during the U2 era, played in front of tens of hundreds of thousands of people. I've seen them live yes. way back in the day. Quick question, very quick aside, because I don't want to interrupt the, the momentum of the story. Sean, have we had one guest on this show that has ever dropped more names? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but in any event... But they're names you've never heard of! <laughs> Well, certainly not of IRA terrorists. <laughs> that being said, um, so anyway, so the guy so from Hot Flowers, he's now. playing. He's playing. He's he's now very. He, he abandoned the whole uh, lifestyle of, and now he's just like a like a, a nomad going around with his didgeridoo and his banjo and his tin whistle and he's playing shows. He's playing over at the Celtic Junction in St Paul, a little community centre. We go over early to say hello because you know we're friends now. Yeah, and and I introduce him. Clearly. And of course, Marae doesn't have to repeat her name to this guy because he's an native Gaelic speaker and I said Maraid she was kind of like not paying attention this man once played in front of a hundred thousand people in Berlin and she looked around and she goes well he's not playing in front of a hundred thousand (laughs) tonight but again to to my to my favourite Irish expression which is of an insult to native Gaelic speakers which is Nihegam Oshgelga which means I don't speak Gaelic (sighs) nice Oh, Mr. Cosgrove, I cannot thank you enough for your time. Well, thank you. Your generosity. You will come back, won't you? I only live up the road. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not talking like every week, but you will, you will come back, right? And you will come back. Uh, Tuesdays. Tuesdays are good. All right. <laughs> 
Very good. Thanks to Smart Start MN. Thank you very much to Great River Radon Mitigation. Thank you, Audio Quip. Thank you, everybody who's jumped on board. Thank you to our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Brian Oak Show. Without you, we don't have this lavish studio that we're sitting in right now with Venetian blinds that may have been made in 1974 and a drop ceiling that is unlike. We probably should get radon mitigation in here, don't you think? That's asbestos. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> fantastic news. Fantastic news. In any event, uh, thanks to everybody who's been a supporter so far. Please listen. Please share. You can find this on Spotify. You can find it on Apple. You can find it on um, iHeartRadio. Yes. Yeah, I used to work there. Uh, In any event, um, thank you. And, John, we're going to share your links online. And thank you very much for coming by. Uh, We do got to wrap this up. What is the last song you brought for us? A band that that came out of, again, out of that U2 era. This is going back to my college days. Uh, they came up with their debut album, Still Hailed as one of the top 10 Irish debut albums. And that's saying something by a publication called Hot Press in Ireland. Uh, the band is called Unemotional Fish. And uh, this whoa, whoa, one... Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out. The band is called An Emotional Fish. Yes. Yes. Obviously, drugs were taken. Before they were naming that band. Fine, fine. You yeah. know, but I mean, like, drugs were taken before. I mean, an emotionalfish.com was probably easy to get online. <laughs> <laughs> it probably still is. In, 19, in 1988. Probably still a bit. An emotional fish. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Again, I hate no. interrupting the momentum of your story. No, but, you're good. But it, an emotional fish, I feel like you're burying the lead right there. Like, wait, what? Okay, yes. but please continue. But, I'm but sorry. This, this is their song Celebrate, but I would advise anyone to check out the entire album. There's another song that I would have played called Blue, um, but we're going to go with a nice upbeat number, and thanks to Brian Oak for letting me on this. Happy holidays, Mr. Cosgrove. Thanks, homie. Sean, see you soon. And uh, everybody, enjoy yourself. An emotional fish, am I right? Yes, you're right. <laughs> Got his good.